I just want to first introduce myself. My name is Walter Beatty. My handle on Twitter and here on YouTube is Baseball Lifer. The purpose of this channel is to help give parents and student athletes an alternative kind of narrative to what they may hear within strictly the confines of travel baseball or recruiting services or, or anything that is asking for a significant amount of money. Every Thursday night, our goal, Baseball Blue Book and myself, is to bring you into the world of actual college coaches, to hear what each of them have to say, to allow them to share the reality of not only their university, but the world of college baseball collectively as a whole. It is my hope that by watching these episodes each and every week, you as a family and as a student athlete will gain insight. That is our mission statement from the Baseball Blue Book is to provide access and information to you directly. We ask three things. One, please subscribe to the channel. If you found your way here to, to YouTube, we ask that you subscribe. Hit the notification bell, which will give you an update every time that we update an, a video or add a video. And if you like what you see, please, by all means, give us a, a thumbs up. Feel free to add a comment or a suggestion. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to miss things. But if you bring them to our attention, we will make sure we ask those questions. So enjoy tonight's episode of Coach's Corner. And again, thank you from the Baseball Blue Book and myself for taking the time to watch. Stay up the middle. The better players play up the middle longer. Hello and welcome. Another edition of Coach's Corner. Thursday evenings, 9 p.m. Eastern. We are joined each week by a college coach from anywhere across the country. We talk youth baseball, travel baseball, and obviously college baseball. My name is Walter Beatty, a.k.a. Baseball Lifer, and I'm really happy to be able to bring this content to, to families, student-athletes, so that they can gain some valuable insight with regard to the college baseball experience, and we get to hear it directly from the college coaches. This evening, we're really thrilled to be joined by a former big leaguer, which seems to be a trend, and we're going to get into that tonight with our guest. Head coach, Illinois State within the Missouri Valley Conference, Steve Hall. Steve, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to join us today. No, thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. You know, I wanted to start on that topic. You know, you have an interesting journey being from Northern California, playing baseball at the Division I level at Oral Roberts, being an All-American, ultimately getting drafted, achieving a lifelong dream, I would assume, to become a big leaguer and now find yourself as a college head coach. We find more former major leaguers finding their way back to college baseball. Can you talk about your journey uh, from big leaguer to back to the college uh, world with regard to coaching and what that's like and what you have to offer student athletes at Illinois State? Yeah, I mean, my, mine, I was really, really lucky. You know, I was playing in AAA my last year. I was 32 years old, um, kind of on one leg, per se, If that, uh, as a catcher. You know, I had at least one flat tire, if not two. And I got a, a a friend of mine texted me that it, 
it was in like July, and he said, hey, give me a call after the game. And I called him, and he said, you know, Reggie Christensen, the, the Sacramento State um, head coach, wants to talk to you about possibly coaching for him next year. And, you know, at that point, I'm, I, I know I'm, you know, closer to the end than I'm at the beginning of my career at this point. And so I, I talked to him that night, and we, we talked for like an hour, and it was, it was a really good conversation. And, um, you know, I, I knew I wanted to coach at the end of, end of my journey, and obviously I didn't know exactly which route I was going to take. And, you know, I told him, I said, you know, I'm very interested, but I'm not going to quit. You know, I'm going to keep playing. I'm foul, as a catcher, you know, you're a foul tip away. And um, so he said he'll circle back. And three days later, I got released. And I was like, oh, um, you know, you kind of take a peek up. Like, all right, I get it, you know. So I, I went home and, and I, I waited a couple of days and I called him and went and sat down. And at the end of the meeting, he's like, the job's yours if you want it. You know, and I said, well, you know, I'll call you tomorrow. And I went home and I just, you know, I called him the next day and I said, hey, you know, I just need a couple of days to call some people, but I, I want the job. You know, just don't announce anything yet. I, you know, there's some people that probably need to hear from me first. So that was, that was my plan. You know, I, 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 I wanted to coach and I got into college coaching, but I had a lot of professional opportunities to go back and coach or manage and, you know, do, do some things like that. And, you know, I wanted to kind of give it one year, um, go through the, the college cycle. And I, I had a team that, you know, told me, Hey, at the end of that year, you can, you can jump in and, you know, we'll, we'll bring you on and, you know, been managed the following season. And that year was, was really fun. You know, we had a lot of guys and that, that did really well. I was a hitting coach and then, you know, did, did the pitching as well that year. And, um, I remember at one point, you know, I texted, texted the guy and I said, Hey, you know, I, I'm not going to take that job. I'm going to stay. I, I'm going to do this. This is kind of, you know, where I want to be sleeping in my own bed. And you felt like you were having more of an impact with a college kid than you would a professional, you know, where sometimes you can or can't coach him, you know, in today's That's professional right. game. Right. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to that, that side of things, but ultimately, you know, you looked up and, and, and at the end of that season, I felt like I'd made an impact on, on a couple of these guys, you know, probably last for a long, long time. And I don't know if you could have done that in pro ball. And, and that's, that was my decision at that point. Well, I think what's really interesting is that you have some very valuable insights that you're able to share with potential and future recruits with regard to the process as a high school athlete, a college student athlete, what it's like at the professional level and what it's like to achieve and live that dream as a big league player. And so one of the first questions that was submitted to us when uh, people knew that you were going to be joining me this evening, they wanted to know when you began as a head coach, specifically at Illinois State, you know, you started at a time, I believe it was five years ago, then you run into COVID, we're kind of coming out of that. Can you talk about building a program, taking over a program and building a program and what your area of focus was with regard to the Missouri Valley Conference and specifically Illinois State? Well, when we got here, um, you know, we were handed over some really good players and we, we thought we would have a chance to win for the first two years. And at, at that point, we thought we'd do some rebuilding, you know, that there was a few players that left during the, you know, the time when there is no coach um, and there was no portal then. So, you know, the older guys were kind of stuck at that at Illinois State, if that makes sense. Right. 
which right. we were thankful for. But ultimately, um, you know, we lost a lot of the, the really good young players and we we knew that this thing was going to kind of, you know, you were going to fall off a cliff a little bit because with, with your experience and age. And um, we ultimately got too many guys drafted in 2019 off, off of that club. There was four juniors. There was an incoming guy that was lost, and we just looked up and like, okay, we're probably rebuilding now as opposed to the following season. So we we knew, and we we'd done our research, and the teams that were winning in our league were predominantly doing that with high school players. And um, you know, we we certainly targeted some junior college players that kind of fill in the gap per se, but we we were had no intent to build our team around it, and it just. It, it happened that way, and we, we were going with a high school player, and then COVID happened. And since then, there's been a couple teams in our league do really well with some junior college players, and most of those guys, you know, it's that third-year COVID guy that you're getting out of the JC that, you know, it remains to be seen how how well that goes going forward. But we had we had that decision to make kind of in that 2021 20, time to say, what, what do we want to do? Do we want to, you know, kind of change change directions here and go jump that junior college train? Or should we just kind of stay with where we're at? And we ultimately chose to stay with where we're at. Our 2022 class is probably the best one that, you know, we've ever put together. And a lot of that came from winning in 19. You know, a lot of those commits that we had in that 22 class committed to us because of the success that we had had in 19 and then in the short part of 2020. And um, we're, we're, we're pumped to have them. It's it's just taking a little while to get you know some of those high school ranks on the field. So you know like when I know when the fall ended, we we went to uh, we had a couple outside competitions and we kind of ran out what we thought was our A team at that point. And right now we have some guys that are you know battling some positions and they're trying to have a say in you know what we thought was at that point. But at the end of the fall, we had a freshman in left field that was you know a local Illinois kid with a sophomore in center that we recruited out of high school. A right fielder was a JC kid. We had a uh, California kid at third base that was a, a two years at COVID in California JC. So I think he played 13 games in two years. Um, he played for us last year. And um, our shortstop is a homegrown kid that we got out of high school. The We had kind of three guys to play short and, or I mean, second base and first base. And uh, one's a high school, like a top 500 kid out of uh, Illinois. He's a freshman. And then we have one portal guy in there and then a junior college first baseman, first baseman only. So one of the second basements can play first. So um, that, that's kind of what our team looked like to, you know, there's a little bit of mix, one portal guy, you know, um, at in the infield, there's a portal catcher. And then we got two portal pitchers, a couple JC guys sprinkled in, but most, most of, you know, the talent, at least like the draftable talent tends to come from the high school side, at least for, you know, schools like us. Well, it's really refreshing to hear a college coach talk about the high school student athlete in, in, a, in a really positive way. And I think parents often misunderstand, you know, college coaches. It's not like that they, they want to push a high school student athlete off to the side. Sometimes it's just a matter of physical preparation, you know, game strength, I guess. Uh, is what we would call it. So when you're out looking at a high school student athlete trying to project, what type of student athlete are you looking for at Illinois State that is kind of uh, a ready, now ready student athlete? I know it's obviously physical strength, but 
game awareness, game instincts. Uh, what are you looking for in a potential recruit? We really, we, we try to stay up the middle. Um, you know, I, I think the better players play up the middle longer. You know, it was one thing when, when I was with the Giants, our, um, our third baseman was a shortstop growing up. The shortstop was obviously a shortstop. Ray Durham played second base. He played shortstop for a long time. Wow. Rich Arulia was playing first base. He was a shortstop. Aaron Rowan was our center fielder. He had gone to Cal State Fullerton as a shortstop. Um, Dave Roberts was our left fielder, so I don't think he played much shortstop being left-handed. But uh, Benji Molina and I both started out as shortstops. You know, I played shortstop all the way yep. through college before I started catching. So ultimately, you know, that was that, you know, that thing that was always in my mind is the best players play shortstop until somebody else tells them they can't, right? So we, we try to stay up the middle. I think your shortstop needs to be your best player. Um, so when we go watch kids, we look for the best player. Is you know, And we look, where are you hitting them? If I go see a, a club that you're putting together, you get to see those kids every day for, you know, whether it be 60 days, 80 days out of the year, whatever it is. If you're hitting the kid that I like in the eight hole, I think you know something more than I know. <laughs> we're probably not, you know, we're not going too far for recruiting a bunch of eight hole hitters. So, you know, we that's that's one of the questions we ask. Hey, where do you hit him in the lineup? How come? How come you hit him too, not five? How come? You know what? Whatever that may be, and 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 usually you'll start spilling some beans with that. You know, and and we'll find out a little bit more about him than what we can just see in a you know two game you know clip sometimes. So that that's that's what we're you know really looking for is the guy who can really play on the academic side. The guys that play best for us, three seven. The four O students. We just had our our baseball team gotten recognized yesterday at the basketball game. There was eight four point Um self motivated guys. Um that the the NCAA does not give us enough time to properly get equipped for the season. If you're not self motivated and doing some things on your own, you, you know, you're probably gonna get left behind. So those those are things that um are important to us. No, if Kid's got a two nine, but he throws, you know, 97, 98 miles an hour. We probably take a flyer on the guy. But ultimately, <laughs> the guys that have played really well for us, we've gone through, we've done our homework. We know the occupations that parents have that tend to be better for us. We we do really well with farmers' kids out here. Farmers got to plant all their seed in in April. They don't get to harvest it until, you know, September, October. Those those kids know how to put in work in the fall. And, and get to harvest on that scoreboard come, you know, February, March, April, May into June. So the, the, those are things that we, we kind of look for and, you know, and, and hopefully work out well for us. Well, interesting that you talk about from a student athlete's perspective, the role of academics, but really how that academic transcript speaks to the accountability uh, as far as a student being uh self-aware and involved and engaged in a total package when you're recruiting what does illinois state have to offer that makes them different or unique not only within the missouri valley conference but within college baseball what is illinois state offering to a prospective student athlete that makes it unique i i the school itself is one of those places that if i cut 10 guys tomorrow I bet five of them stay at the school. You know, like they, they really like going to school at Illinois state. Um, I did not know that when I took the job, I, it actually, I, I figured it out. We had a Saturday practice. It was about my third weekend in 
And I showed up and I was like, these guys might have had too much fun on Friday night. And it was pretty apparent, you know, 30 minutes. Once you got through stretch, you started seeing fatigue, you know. So um, it, it, it is a, a really fantastic place to go to school. Um, that, that's been apparent from the get go and not just that, that scene of things. There's a lot of, um, one of the things that intrigued me about, about the job was I was working at Purdue at that point. So at Purdue, you'd go into Chicago to recruit Chicago has really good baseball and the, the big 10 schools are are pretty expensive from, from out of state. So you'd have to go to Chicago suburbs and try and find kids that could afford to do this. So you'd drive around Chicago and that little license plate cover that you see on cars, it says, you know, alumni of, and we had quite a few people that you would drive past and it would say, Illinois state, Illinois state. And it, it always stuck in my head. I'm like, that must be a pretty good spot, you know? And if, if people are prideful about it enough to put on their license plate cover, then, you know, it's usually a, a place you can recruit to. So once we got here, we figured that part out and the school itself is really good. There's a really, really good business school. Um, there's a really good ag school. And th- those are two things that we recruit heavily to. And then, you know, obviously on the baseball side, there's, you know, there's pages on our website that you can go look at and see w- what we have to offer. Um, we, we have a lot of professional experience on, on our uh, coaching staff. And, it, you know, it's a, it's a little bit different than what some of the other people have out there. But th- those are things that we sell. But a lot, a lot of it is a school. Well, I would think that it would be a definite check mark next to a college that has former big leaguers or professional experience on the staff because a you're going to know as far as from an evaluation standpoint how to bring up the game you know the projectable skill sets but also put a good word in whether it's from the cape cod league or summer collegiate league and obviously with the scouts do you find that the missouri valley conference is scouted uh, heavily with regard to the weekend series. Uh, you have UIC, you have Evansville. So you have some really, really good schools in that conference. You see a lot of scouts out watching uh, series during the uh, the weekend's in-season conference? You do. And, and you know how it is. I mean, they're, they're chasing that Friday night guy. So if there's a Friday night guy, then they're all you know somewhere. And then Saturday, Sunday. Um, we've been very fortunate. We've gotten in kind of the three drafts that we've had here. We've, I think we've had uh, nine and an incoming guy to get lost. So, um, you know, we, we've done very, very well on the scouting side or, you know, getting players drafted, some to our, our own detriment of our team because we've lost a lot of juniors to, in this process. But ultimately, um, yeah, I mean, you can get drafted very high out of the Missouri Valley. L- last year, we our center fielder, Ryan Cermak, went in the second round. Um I know we ha- we had a fifth rounder and a uh, eighth rounder, I believe, my first year here. Owen Miller was the, here the year before I, I got here. I think he was a third rounder, and he's he's already been in the big leagues. Paul DeYoung played here. So, you know, that that's one piece that we certainly do recruit to is, you know, there's been a lot of big leaguers come through here. And, you know, we, we've, we've just built a new indoor on our field so we can get, you know, even more development done and i think all those things add up to you know it being a pretty good situation for the kid who wants to come in and get an opportunity to play professional baseball where are you obviously you say illinois you say the the midwest but you mentioned uh california i know you're from northern california uh 
when you're talking to potential recruits, do you have contacts throughout the country? Do you spread out and go see a bunch of tournaments during the summer? Is it your college camps that you have on campus? Where are you doing or where's your focus with regard to recruiting? Um, it's interesting because it's moved around a little bit during COVID. Obviously we weren't out and that was kind of, that's when we were, had to rebuild, you know, and we, we were stuck looking at a screen like this, trying to figure it out. Um, so at that point we, we relied on some of our contacts, you know, that we had that we really trusted because those people could be out. Um, our, you know, I have some in California and we've done pretty well there. Um, our, you know, we had, we have multiple starters that, that are from California we we do really well on the high school scene in uh, Illinois, Chicago mainly, and then we also do well in Wisconsin. We have some of our better players are from Wisconsin, and until uh, University of Wisconsin decides to put a baseball team on the field, um, there's a lot of a lot of uh, schools are going to go in there and continue to post their players because they got enough players they could they could be in the World Series if That's they have. Right. It's crazy, but um, you know just. You got to rely on people because you can't you can't see all the all the kids. It's, it's there's so many people, um, so many kids out there. There's a lot of players. We do really well in our camps. Um, we have a lot of kids that show up, and you know because I like to see myself. They know that I'm obviously at the camp, and you know we we try to get in front of things that that way as well. And you know there, there's there's a lot of different ways to to see guys and you know be out there, but. It's kind of a mixed bag. Well, what I want to kind of take a deeper dive into, because you have a, a unique background and you've mentioned it a couple times this evening. When I'm talking with student athletes uh, and they always come up to me and say, I'm an infielder, I'm an infielder. And I'll always tell them, you might want to consider catching. Now you were a shortstop. Russell Martin comes to mind. Greg Biggio, uh, you know, the list is plentiful with regard to former Jorge Posada at South Alabama. Those guys were all way better than me, by the way. Uh, well, well hey, you are a big leaguer. So, in other words, they're all in your ballpark. Some, you could, I guess, classify played longer, but technically you're all big leaguers. My point is, how do you convey to a young student athlete, hey, you might want to throw the gear on every once in a while, you, you know, even if you're a second baseman or a shortstop, because it can, A, extend your career, or B, give you greater opportunities that you may not have known existed if you throw on the, uh, it is National Catching Day, by the way, which is why I've been asking today. That's awesome. uh, and so how do you convey that to a potential recruit? Hey, you might want to give catching a try. I think they really got to want to do it. Um, it sucks, to be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I was a shortstop. I really enjoyed playing shortstop. And... For me, you know, they, they moved me basically first day and I start catching and I had a hard time with it because in the lower levels, I, I still felt like, man, I think I, I'm, I'm as good as that guy or I'm as, you know, I could play like that guy. And then for me, when I got to double A, I looked out and go, oh, that's what a shortstop looks like. And I looked at myself and I go, this is probably what a catcher looks like. So you know, it, it it was hard to do, and I, I think it's hard to do at the amateur level because in pro ball, I, I was allowed to get a lot of reps, right? You know, you're playing every single day, and that's what you need. If you're going to make a change, especially later on in your career, you're going to need the reps to catch up and, you know, 
sometimes he, they're, they're just not there to, to catch up and sometimes they are it, it we, we've never really tried to convert a guy we've had a couple guys that we did it for utility purposes you know like you can only travel so many guys in conference and you know this one guy was you know had a chance to maybe help us out if we were only going to keep two and some things like that but he, he, the player i think needs to want to come to you and say hey i want to catch if I got to go to the player and say, I want you to catch, I think it's going to be pretty tough because that's a hard sell. Because like I said, it, it's not fun. You're going to get beat up. You're going to be bruised. And um, it, it's just, it's not the same as playing, you know, those other positions. So, you know, I, I think you've got to find the right guy that wants to do it. Yeah, I still wear a couple uh, every now and Tyler decided to start to throw a split finger this year. Oh. And out of the uh, kindness of my heart, I, I, I caught, and I can tell you that uh, it's still, I still have a body tattoo on my shin. So it caught you. You didn't. Yeah, it caught me. I, I didn't quite catch it. So, you know, one of the other things that I want to get from your perspective, again, coming from Northern California, now, as I talk to you, tomorrow's forecast for us here in Boston is minus four. You know, you come from Northern Cal, you have some pretty nice weather. You come from California, some pretty nice weather. You go into Illinois and you, you know, Nebraska, I know you play in Nebraska this year. You know, those are some cold weather states. And so how do you get those warmer climate guys to, uh, to kind of acclimate themselves into, you know, the fall and the early part of the season at Illinois state? We, we only let them visit in the summertime. <laughs> uh, now we, uh, they, they know where we've liked to, where we've done pretty well is some of the skill positions, you know, like, like a shortstop or second base, those kids have tended to come from the warmer weather states. Um, they go home and I tell them when they go home for Christmas, I say, hey, you, you need to take as many ground balls as possible outside because we don't have that available for you here. And, and we've been outside a couple of times so far in our, on our turf field. But they get they go home and they like our one of our portal guys, he's from Hawaii. So he's out there playing on, you know, real fields to me. And with that, I, you know, I tell them as many ground balls as possible, because once you get back, you know, it, it's, it's more in outside on the turf every once in a while. So, um, getting them acclimated, baseball players are tough, man. They, they want to play. Um, and it's, it's something that they all know what they're getting into. And I think we have such a core of Illinois and Wisconsin kids. I mean, the Wisconsin kids, they think they're at San Diego when they come down to our weather. <laughs> so that's... You know, and, and we do well in Canada. We, you know, we, we, we've had multiple Canadians and those guys are in the same boat as Wisconsin. They're like, man, it's really warm out. And I'm like, I got three layers on. So, you know, you, the, the, the core of the team is, is from cold weather. And I think if the, the kind of the bitching and complaining starts, I think they, those guys nip it before I, I ever get to it. So, um, I think it just happens that way. Well, we have a large Canadian audience joining us this evening. In fact, there's a few that are commenting to my right here. And so they'll be obviously sending you an email now that you mentioned the Canadian brethren up north. So what I want to ask, so that parents, I have two questions that came in. I'm going to group them together. When when you're going forward, how does a, a, a potential recruit know that you're in it to win it for the for an extended period of time at Illinois state, you know, everybody's commenting, you know, you're a big leaguer, you're very articulate, you're well-spoken, you have a great 
uh, developed a great program. You know, they want to come there. They're in the class of 2024. You know, how do you give those parents a peace of mind, you know, when they say, hey, coach, you, you know, are you going to be here for us? Or, you know, is that something that comes up in your recruitment talks at all as far as, I know you have young family there and they probably love the area as much as you. Um, but I have a parent here asking, what if we show up and coaches back in California now what? So how do you want to address that? Well, first of all, I can promise I'm not going back to California. Um, but ultimately, my, my family's all moved out of California now. Um, they live in, in Idaho, actually. Oh. And Michigan State does not have a program. So um, so I think we're good. But my, my wife, um, she moved out to uh, California when I was playing. I was up and down with the Giants at that point. And our idea was when I was done playing, we were going to move back to the Midwest where she's from in St. Louis. So, you know, I took the job with Sac State with Reggie and I coached there for four years. And we looked at, we, we kind of drew a circle around St. Louis that we felt was like driving distance. And then obviously jobs that, you know, I, I felt were, you know, good jobs for, for my career as well. And anytime one of those jobs popped open, we, we tried to get it. And I did not realize how hard that would be to kind of jump the Rocky mountains per se, and, you know, get some Midwestern coach to listen to a guy from California. But ultimately I, uh, I tricked Mark Wazikowski into hiring me at Purdue and we were there for two years. And that was, that was five hours away from St. Louis. And then when the, when this job opened up, we are about three hours from her parents. So, um, that, that was kind of the the inside scoop as to why you know we we chose to be in this vicinity and and ultimately this school um you know it, as a as a coach a lot, a lot of people don't realize it. it's really difficult cuz you're going to bounce around and and we had we had our first daughter at Purdue and our our second one basically like 30 days before I took this job I think I think she was about a month old and so you know we don't have family around us like and for me, you don't just leave daughters with just random people, you know? So being somewhat close to family was, was very, very important. And like I said, my parents are in um, Boise and there's no, there's no Boise State baseball anymore. And I don't think anybody's falling for that trap if they started open again. But uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that, that, that was, a, that's a big deal for us, you know, being, being somewhat close and have, having that network established because it, as coaches, you move around and all of a sudden you've got to start all over on, you know, babysitters and things like that. It becomes very difficult. And our, our daughters, she's in kindergarten, our oldest, and, and we have a private school that she goes to that we really like, you know, and it, it has some values that we appreciate. They, they, they say the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, and, and th- those are things that for us were like, you know, we're, we're a little bit old school and, and we like them standing up and saying the Pledge of Allegiance and things like that. So, um, those things, those situations are hard to buy you out of, if that makes sense. You know, certainly somebody comes and says, you're the manager of the New York Yankees, you take the job, right? Right. But, you know, you, you get things established and it just, it just gets harder and harder every year, you know, to to make yourself want to go. And, and now, you know, I think the thing that people aren't maybe forecasting as much is, I think you got to sit back and watch it, see how long it takes these people to rebuild some of these programs now, because if if I were to leave the my current situation, statistics show you that about seventy five percent of your players at the portal, right? You're going to come in, and I I think it's somewhat easier at the lower level to rebuild, and I 
it seemed to be a little bit easier at the really high level because they can just go pluck portal and kind of make it okay for the get-go. But ultimately, your best players are going to come through the high school ranks. And like when we took this job, you were really kind of recruiting that 2021 class. And this was back in 2018, where you could really get in on, on some of those young players that you really, really wanted without kind of only finding the needle in the haystack guy. So I think if, if you're a parent, watch and see how this works for the next couple of years. Because you had some jobs change hands this, this last year, and there was quite a few portal uh you know, things that happen where a lot of players are gone. And then I think you might see some coaches going, eh, I don't know if I want to take those jobs because that might be a five, six, seven year overhaul to, to get that thing back where it needs to be. Well, I think you just scored a lot of bonus points with parents knowing that you're in it to win it with your children and you're kind of immersing yourself in the community. Uh, that, that seemed to go a long way with a, a lot of comments that just came flurrying. Don't in forget here. the wife. No, the wife. Well, that was one of the things you mentioned earlier. All the moms were giving you a, a standing ovation on that. We got Valentine's Day coming up too, right before the season. Right. Normally, the three days before the season, right? You open up on the 17th. Correct. And when I was playing in pro ball, Valentine's Day, for some Man. reason, was the day the Giants always reported you to spring Always. Yes. And my wife still doesn't let me forget that one. So. This year, she looked at the calendar and she's like, "Oh, you're home. There we go. Bingo. That's brownie points." Well, I want to. I'm going to take advantage of a little extra time, and I want to ask because I have a parent that just asked me, "Can Coach Holmes? Can can you tell parents, more importantly, student athletes, the true definition of a Division One recruitable athlete? Meaning, we have about four hundred thousand high school varsity players that play within the federation uh, across the United States and only 10 to 12,000, depending upon the roster size. Give us an example of what makes a division one student athlete. What is it that's different and what is it that separates a potential recruit? Is it velocity, arm strength, foot speed, power? You know, what are the tools that these uh, young student athletes have to have in order to make that jump from high school to division one baseball. You know, I think baseball that it in division one is still somewhat of a combine, you know, like you have to be able to do certain things in order at, at your position in order to compete. But that's also the beauty of it is you don't have to, um, we, we got some guys that, you know, and I have told them, I said, you got D two, like division two skill set or height and weight, but you got D one heart and D1 guts and D1 confidence, and that then they're allowed to play Division One baseball. Um, the hardest thing for us to find is the guy who has the confidence to play. Uh, we we don't miss when we go recruiting. Like if I go recruit your son, and it says ninety two on the gun, he shows up, and you know what? He throws ninety two. He doesn't just throw eighty. You know, so those those components we don't really miss on. And there's so many recruiting services or whatever you want to call them out there now that even if we saw him on a really bad day, you can go look it up and they got video of him showing 91 miles an hour. You know, like you, you know what you're probably getting. And if you don't know how fast he is, look that up too, because it'll, it'll show a video. of, And if you don't believe them, you can stop, watch the video if you want. So all of those things, you know, schools don't miss on that. And they, they you know, the kids know that, you know, you kind of need to be a certain velocity or whatever, but ultimately the, the guys that survive, are the ones that believe in themselves. And 
you know, how, how do you believe in yourself? Do you put in the work first and then have some success? And that's probably how it works. So for us, for the, the one factor for me that I think differentiates everybody is how much do you love baseball? Do you go to practice or do you get to go to practice? Because the guys that really love practice, they get to go to practice. They can't wait for their, you know, no offense to the academic side, because we recruit high, high, you know, intelligent kids. But they can't wait for practice to get or school to get out so they can go to practice. And I think that all freshmen, especially during the COVID era where you have that fifth year guy there, get smoked at some point. Like you get hit right in the mouth. And if you don't love baseball, I think it's going to be really, really tough for you. But the kids that just love baseball, do you watch baseball on TV? Do you, you know, what, what did those things really mean to you? And are you, re- are you the kid that's retweeting highlights, you know, that the shortstops are making great plays? Because that means you love baseball. And, and those are the kids that really have success. And you can't fake love. You know, people, people have been trying to fake love in all, in all kinds of entities for years. And it doesn't work. So people true. see right through it. So the kids that really love baseball for us, they, they, they cream rises. And th- those are the ones that, you know, ultimately have, even if they got a division two s- skill set, they'll play division one baseball. Well, I think it's important. Uh, I know uh, one parent's asking me, if you check out the schedule that Illinois state plays, they're out of conference schedule. Now they're in conference at Missouri Valley is really has quality high level Missouri state UIC uh, Evansville. We used to see, I used to, as a dad, see UIC every year opening weekend, uh, they went to uh, oh, Vanderbilt. Yeah. Uh, so I've seen the talent, uh, and I know John and I, and I know a few of the coaches in the conference, um, and this out of conference schedule, I know last year you, you were started out of the gate with Arkansas, but you still play Arkansas, Minnesota, Iowa. I mean, you have some really, uh, there's some, you know, hills and hurdles there. So this isn't like uh, you're not playing 54 games and you're trying to avoid. You're playing a big boy schedule, and if you're coming to Illinois State, you need to be ready to compete. When you talk about competing to student-athlete, what is something that visually can tell you they're competing with, with every fiber of their being? You know, we use that word a lot, but what is something that you're looking for? Is it that turn at first base? Is it coming on and off the field? How are you looking at that competitive nature of a, a prospective student athlete? You know, I, I think we, we like to see them fail. Um, ultimately, you, you don't want to go and, and get your only look and, and see the kid fail. But there, there's times that we, we recruited kids just because everyone tells us, hey, the kid is really good. The numbers show he's really good. And we show up on a bad day. But how does he how does he handle the failure? Um, I, I think the kids that you can tell that when, when they strike out and they're pissed, that's not a bad deal. You know, I don't want them, you know, fire their helmet into the stands or something, but you know, Carl Everett, you know, and the Red Sox, you know, th- those type of things, you're not looking for that, but every good player I played with, they, they had some true, you know, fire inside them that, you know, at a certain point, I, I saw a lot of those guys, it boils over. Right. But, um, I think that's a big deal is the guys that play that failure really bothers them and not bothers them to where they get down and they lose confidence in their, you know, as, as our, my, my old boss at Purdue used to say, dragging this blanket, like, like Linus, Um, you know, we're not looking for that, but you know, when something doesn't go right, 
and and they're bothered. That that means they pr- probably got a little bit of perfectionist in them, and that that's that's usually a pretty good competitor, you know, because that if you're a perfectionist, is you don't like to lose, you don't like to do things the wrong way, and that's that's why we've done so well with that student on the student side. Like, is he that three seven that four zero guy? Because you know, th- th- there's no way that everyone cares about every subject that you're studying, but you do care about that grade that you get at the end. Oh yeah. Well, so. You know, that's what we're looking for is that guy that failure bothers, you know, and, you know, can can you see it? Because some guys, you know, they they walk off the field or they lose or, you know, they, they go over four and it's not that big of a deal to them. And, and as a player to me, like, that was a big deal, you know? So uh, I think that's one thing that, you know, kind of separates. Well, I want to let all the parents know that have been asking me questions about contact. Coach Holm, does, Steve does have Twitter. Uh, I don't know how active you are on Twitter, but he does have Twitter, uh, obviously an email. I'm going to have all of that in the description in the video so that you'll be able to reach out, find out about camps, talk about you know where the staff might be during the course of the summer, et cetera. But I will have all the contact information. So you've been a big hit with the moms because you've mentioned your wife a few times. There we go. So uh, brownie points for, for Coach. But, Steve, I, I want to say thank you. Tyler said to say hello. Uh, he is over in Japan, and uh, they are, I think, 15 hours ahead of us, so it's actually tomorrow there, today. Is he enjoying uh, it? He's loving it. Yeah, he actually, uh, their traditions over there are absolutely amazing. Uh, they're, they have a spring training that's really unique. It takes them to three different venues. Yep. Um, and so it's two weeks here, two weeks there, and then ultimately the final two weeks at the dome, but he hopes to be back in the greater U S next year. He has a little baby boy that's home in Texas. So that's kind of aching on him a little bit. He he said to say hello and, um, and make sure that I wore my giants hat. So I told him I would do that for you, but Steve, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. Best of luck. I know the season kicks off on the 17th. Uh, and I, I'll be talking with you about a few guys uh, that I've seen over the last few weeks. Uh, I'll send uh, I'll send over some video to you as well. Perfect. It takes a whole village to uh, build a program. Amen. I know that, brother. So I want to let everybody know all of your information. If you have questions about our comments, our, our discussion here tonight with, with Coach Holm at Illinois State, please feel free to put them in the comments section. The Baseball Blue Book, this is what brings us all together. It's all about access for families and student-athletes. Our hope is to provide you with content directly from the coaches so that you can hear exactly what it's going to take and how to get there directly from the coaches. Now, next Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern, we're going to have Tim Corbin from Vanderbilt University. We know a little bit about Vanderbilt uh, and the Beattie family, so that's at 9 p.m want to make sure you're spreading the word, subscribe to the channel, let us know that you like tonight's video and content, but with the thumbs up, be sure to join us next Thursday. Steve, thank you very much. Happy Valentine's Day to, to the wife, and thank you to the girls for giving us your time tonight. All uh, right, thank you, guys. Welcome, bye. Bye now, guys. See you guys.